Hey everyone, great to have you again for the Inner Revolution podcast. These are exciting days and so good to be with you and just celebrating the Lord together. Hey, we have some great guests with us today. Uh, as you remember, Billy from Texas, uh, he was with us last cast and he's with us again today uh, with his Texan belt, belt buckle and his six shooter, right? Firing up That's everything. Right. <laughs> and I got my brother with me too, Pastor Chris Moore, and he wanted me to spend 10 minutes with accolades, but we'll just cut it short. He's my awesome brother, lead pastor in Texas, Houston, Texas, Evergrace. And also uh, Eddie Sullivan from Las Vegas. He's been rescued from the casinos. Amen. And he is with us today in the spirit. No, an awesome brother in the Lord. And, uh, We're just excited to be with you today, so stay tuned with us as we present a thought from the Lord. So, all right, bro, it's all yours. Well, thank you, Jason. It's really great to be on this Inner Revolution podcast. I'm really hoping I get an Inner Revolution t-shirt. I'm going to pull the brother card here. and They're very expensive. Demand one. (laughs) Um, It's great to be here with you guys, and... um, so I've just had kind of a, kind of a, just a inner theme in my heart this week about the gospel, and when we think of the gospel, we think of what we are telling people: believe on Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, and then we kind of end there. Yet the gospel is the total package of the entire finished work of Jesus Christ, meaning that we are a brand new creation. And so the gospel is not just an evangelical tool or message, but it is our new guiding um, principle in our life. And it is, for us, the great news. The Church of Christ is the only uh, institution on this planet that has a message that is not just empowering people to do more for God, but it is a message that really tells us that Christ has done it all and that we are now new uh, servants of righteousness for an adventure of faith. And so I was thinking about the gospel, and the gospel really is the central theme of the New Testament. It was what Paul talked about. Uh, Paul didn't talk necessarily about power, but he talked about power, uh, defining it in Romans 1.16 as the gospel of God, that the gospel is the power of God. And so we want to You know, if we are one of these Christians that really are seeking for more power in our life, it would do us well to focus on being uh, gospel um, literate and that we would know the gospel. It's interesting, I had a friend tell me, uh, you'd be surprised how many people that do not know the gospel, even that are in uh, Christian ministry. And again, it's not just a message of salvation, but it is a message of daily deliverance, that we are no longer what brought us here, but now we are a new creation in Christ. And so the whole book of Acts, and uh, Billy's here with me, and so like last January, uh, we were talking about, or I was just sharing with him, uh, how can we talk about a 2020 vision for our church, Evergrace, And I just began to put together some ideas, core values, vision, vision statement, mission, the whole whole thing, the whole vision frame. And as I was doing that, we were in Maui, my wife and I, for a getaway. And the Holy Spirit just touched me and he said, why would we want to focus 
on something that's already been defined. So let's just go to the book of Acts and define our church that way. And so we began a series um, back in January, I think, or uh, December, about the gospel. And, uh, and if we look at the book of Acts, chapter 1, we see that the gospel really is what is what all of heaven was waiting to have revealed. It was the mystery of God that was revealed to not the wise, the powerful, the mighty, and the adept, but the gospel was revealed to uh, fishermen, to shepherds, to blind people, to uh, women from the city, uh, to prostitutes, to swindlers, to tax collectors. And in Luke 15, verse 1, the sinners and publicans heard him gladly. And that was an amazing, amazing response that we see to the gospel. And so Jesus is preaching this gospel. And in Acts chapter 1, we see that um, God is speaking to the apostles to abide in prayer and prepare for the power of the mission. And so they're going to be, they're going to be embarked, they're going to be commissioned to go into a mission. We heard this morning, Pastor Schaller, that as a Christian, it is so easy for us to live outside of our mission and to not see our, the adventure of faith and taking radical steps of faith that not only are they fun and incredibly um, scary, but and uh, yet at the same time, um, when we look back, if we're married or if we're, if we're living a single life, if we look back at the years that we lived in absolute radical faith, we can look back and we say, those were some of the greatest years of my life. And so when we look at the preparation for the gospel, uh, there's prayer and preparation. I think that there's a huge need in our life for preparation. Uh, Jesus's life was 90% preparation, 10% ministry. Jesus lived 30 years before he began his ministry, and he had ministry for three years. If that means, if that is a pattern for us today, then we would understand that 90% of our life is probably preparation, and 10% is really uh, when the big guns are coming out and we really see God using us. And so let's not um, let's not make light of the day of prayer and preparation in Acts chapter one. There can be no move of God without prayer. There can be no move of God without or revival without people seeking the face of God and letting God plow deep into our soul and just bringing out some real brokenness to get dealt with so that we as vessels in Isaiah 58 would be, I think it's verse 11, that we would be worthy vessels um, for uh, the Master's use. Acts chapter 2, we see the power of the Holy Spirit. We see the power of the gospel. And you know what's interesting in Acts chapter 2, and we don't hear a lot of this spoken about, but in the megachurch model, which is really a, a, just another version, I think, of a business plan and a corporate type of Christianity. Uh, but when we see the, and you hear actually maybe in Christianity today in some Calvinistic circles, a lot of talk about the gospel, the gospel. And what we see happening in Acts chapter 2 is when the Holy Spirit arrives, what do we see? We see a community that is on fire for God, that is breaking bread together daily, and no one is calling anything that they own their own. And so the gospel creates this very unique, um, odd community of people that are um, looking to Christ, that are looking to each other and serving the community. And this is a new community that has never been um, seen on the planet before. It's called the church. And so 
if the gospel is preached, if we are preaching Christ, the finished work, the work that is already finished, that we can rest in, like we heard last night, then we will see a community form. And I think that's what we're seeing in Texas, a beautiful little community forming that is gospel-centered, Christ-centered, and that we are all very eager to serve our neighborhoods. Uh, Peter, in Acts chapter 3, I'm just going to go through the first part of Acts here real quick. Peter presents the gospel in Acts chapter 3, first 26 verses. Here Peter is preaching, and um, Jesus chooses Peter not because he's gifted or because he's amazing, but because he's just crazy enough to believe God for the impossible. And Jesus presents the gospel. This is really the first time we can see in the New Testament this incredible gospel being presented. Acts chapter 4, uh, we see, and we see this pattern every time. Every time we preach Christ and we preach the gospel, we can always expect attacks on the gospel and attacks that are personal. I think when we preach Christ, sometimes we're really surprised in the warfare that we get. And we just... We disassociate warfare with um, what we are experiencing. And so Peter defends the gospel. Acts chapter 5, there's an attack on the lifestyle that the gospel creates with Ananias and Sapphira. Um, this, the devil's always going to be trying to attack the lifestyle that the gospel is creating in our life. We see in Acts chapter 6 um, through Acts chapter 7, Stephen is presenting the gospel. And Paul, or Saul at the time, hears the gospel. Acts chapter 8, the Spirit of God begins to move outside of Jerusalem into Samaria, and then we see it begin to move outside of Jerusalem. I just want to explain maybe briefly what is the gospel. Most people don't know what the gospel means. They may only know a portion of it. Most only know of the gospel to feel incomplete, and that they're trying to finish something due to the sense of insufficiency. I think it was Billy Sunday that said, uh, people only know enough of the gospel to be miserable uh, trying to finish something due to the sense of insufficiency. Angels are looking into the gospel in our lives in 1 Peter 1.12 all the time. And so um, the gospel is something incredible, and the gospel is something that is not only uh, the power of God in Romans 1.16, but it also is the blessing of God with benefits anytime anyone draws near to it in 1 Corinthians 9.23. I think the gospel is something that that we need to preach to ourselves on a daily basis. Speak to yourself the gospel of God. And even in, and even in it's called the very light of the glory of God himself. They cannot see in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ. And so the gospel of Christ is not only the gospel, but is the glory of Christ. Uh, the gospel is not just a message, but it is the, the glory of Jesus Christ for God that has been made to shine into our hearts, to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we can put it this way, and I think it's Tim Keller that puts it this way, we are more sinful. This is the gospel, that we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever imagined. Yet at the, same, at the very same time, we are more righteous, loved, and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared to hope because of the blood of Christ. And so the gospel is, is something that... Um, is a is the core is the core message of the church, and when we preach Christ, when we preach the gospel, and we're not preaching a social gospel, we're not preaching a economic gospel or a prosperity gospel, or a humanitarian gospel. We are preaching a gospel that says that it is finished, and that now we have uh, free um, we have a free invitation to fellowship with the uh, throne of grace 
and that produces a community, a, a fervent, zealous community that is uh, sacrificing without being told to sacrifice. So that's just a nutshell mm. of some of the things that I was just meditating on this week. Wow, fantastic. Uh, you said a couple of interesting things. Uh, people know enough of the gospel to be miserable. Maybe you can say more about that. And then secondly, what is the social gospel? I think those are two points that struck me. When you look through the book of Acts, it's really it's ordinary people doing extraordinary things because they had a real relationship with God. Uh, but the power of the gospel, why, why would you say, and, I, and I, I, told, I understand it, but I'd love for you to say it out loud mm-hmm. and Billy comment as well. But what is it, how do people know enough of the gospel to be miserable? Is that because of legalism? Yeah, or? I can make a comment about that, and maybe Billy could say something about the social gospel. But the, I think the church, churches, um, I think, can be guilty of just giving enough information to keep people under control or to pe- keep people um, uh, placated with more. Because I think there's something that the flesh wants to hear. The flesh wants to hear about a program, something that they can do. And the Pharisees, uh, moralism, legalism, uh, these messages that, that, that depart from the gospel will only tell you, um, will only tell you, well, maybe an evangelical message, but the gospel itself is something that tells us, just as we read here a, a second ago, that we are more sinful than we could ever imagine. We are much worse than we think. We think we're doing pretty good. We're not sinning that much. And But God knows the depths of our heart. And if he knows, and this is what John the Apostle said to um, to the believers near the end of his life, he wrote um, that were scattered abroad in the Roman Empire. He said that if God knows the heart, and yet he loves us, he said this is our confidence, that God knows our heart. He knows all things, and yet He doesn't. there's no condemnation. And so I think that if we can have this understanding that God knows so much more about ourselves, about us, than we do, and yet he still loves us, and that he, we still merit, we are, we are incurring his favor because of Christ, then I think that there's so many things that we could be living in boldness and asking God for things. Like, I was thinking yesterday, um, someone had mentioned in passing about how this world is under the curse because of Adam's sin. What if we took for face value the gospel that says that you are the object of God's favor, or Christ really is in you, in Colossians 2.27. If Christ is in us, then why could not we ask God for some incredible things that we probably would never think that we could ever deserve? Just ask God for just some big things like, God, you know, bring in the, the resources that we need for missions. Bring in the people that we need to plant churches in Houston. Bring in the team members. Bring in the bring in uh, marital reconciliations, bring in uh, healings, bring in all these incredible things where people just write off, you know, they write off their marriages. Okay, that's done. You know, like, well, maybe maybe we don't live in that. Maybe we just say, hey, like, God favors me. He favors my marriage. And if we could live like this, and this is what we don't hear, I think. We don't hear the, the gospel side in that sense that God truly desires to favor, to bless, and to... And I'm not talking about prosperity. I'm just talking about God desires to show up and be present in circumstances in our life where we just unconsciously believe that I don't deserve that. Mm. Right? That's mm. just one example. 
I think, you know, socially, it's interesting because the gospel is very social. But it, it's redefining what that looks like, you know, for us contemporary today. Um, there's an old story, and, you know, you may have heard it about the, the ship, the, the life-saving station on the East Coast. And these people, it's run-down little shed, and they would go out and they would help people because this harbor or this, this coastline had a, had a, a high volume of shipwrecks. Well, over time, people wanted to be a part of it, so they donated money. And, and it grew, and then it got nicer, and there was better furniture in it, and, and just bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, the more, the more it grew, the more people were like, hey, when you save people, we don't want you to bring them in because they're getting our nice furniture dirty. And, and so there's a split, right? Now the people that want to continue saving lives, they go. To, and so the story ends with you can go to that coastline today. Of course, it's not real, but and there's all these life-saving stations, and there's still shipwrecks, but unfortunately most of those people die. Mm-hmm. And I think it shows because when, and, and I can only speak for our experience down in Texas, but, you know, in these big churches, there is a, almost like a barrier that doesn't really, allow, and maybe it's our program, maybe it's the way we're structured, you know, hey, turn to your neighbor and greet them, and you, and you do this, but there's not really enough time to engage them. I can say, hey, how are you doing? Or, hey, is this your first time here? No, I've been going here for five years, but, you know, we don't notice each other because, because we're, not, we're not really engaged with one another. I mean, the gospel should be something where whenever I say, hey, Jason, how are you doing? And you say, not good, we need to talk, I don't tense up, mm-hmm. right? My mind wants to hear you say, I'm good, man, thanks for asking, and then we keep walking. Yeah. Right? And what's unique about what Christian and Gosha and what this this weird little rebel group of people we have in, in, in Houston now is that we actually care. We want to be around each other for more than to talk about what our, what our favorite sports team is doing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I mean, I remember when, when COVID started really gaining, you know, in, in, in the, precau- the cautions were really going up here in America brothers in Christ who were more upset that they, that they're, that they're, season tickets, you know, that they weren't going to be able to go see their teams over the fact that churches were closing. That, like, yeah, we can watch that online, but, man, no no basketball, no baseball, and it's, you get these guys together, and this is what we talk about. Hey, how's work going? How's, you know, but, man, like, the social setup that we see in the book of Acts is, is coming together daily, mm. breaking bread, really caring for one another, really they they nobody said they had anything that was their own right like mm. if it's mine it's yours and that's i think that is the this this really complex body that Christ died for and we we dismember it by making it into into a building by making it into a program by and not recognizing that it is that the church is a living, breathing organism. We can be two thousand miles apart, but be connected. Like a tool said yesterday, yeah. we're so connected to churches and you know Christians talking about guys and or these ladies in, in I think Serbia, and it's just people in South America that that we're connected to. We don't know these people, mm. but we're connected to them because we are one with them in the gospel. And what Candace and I were so overjoyed about is we knew we could never go on mission until God put us in the hands of people we knew would be here 
interceding for us while we're there. And we did not have that. We would never known that. Never known a group of people wow. that really cared so much that I'm, pr- I'm on my knees for you before the God of all creation. And now that we have that, it's like, okay, we can go. We can do. We can, we, whatever God lays, what it, you know, God is a lamp to our feet. And what I love about that is I don't know what's next year. Yeah. God is revealing to me step by step. And we know that that next step we're going to be prayed for. We're going to be cared for. We're going to be, we're going to be so well um, j- just supported that we have nothing to worry about. I don't know where the money comes from. I don't know. You're right. Like the physical resources don't matter because we have the spiritual resources, if yeah. that makes sense. And that, to me, that's what a social church should look like. Yeah, let me let me uh, just kind of, you both said some amazing things. Um, but in Christianity Today, that magazine, they say the average conversation in a church is like 14 seconds. And, and they talk about people's shoes, they talk about their clothes, they talk about their hair, it's all external. How do you have uh, more of a more than a social interaction with somebody? Like you said, how you doing? I'm not doing great. Instead of, you know, people will tense and like, when they ask you how you doing, they really don't want to know. But how do you shift and to initiate more authentic conversation, stuff that is deeper than just, hey, your shoes are pretty cool. Don't step on them now. <laughs> or, you know, I think the donut need, tastes good. You know, yeah. something deeper. How, how does that more I than the social? I think two things. One is, is we have to do our part by being vulnerable, right? It's okay. It's okay. Like, it's okay that, that life is not perfect. You know, that's okay, and I'm not afraid to, to, to talk to people about that. And one of the guys at our church, Colton, really helped me realize that. Because Colton, whenever you say, how are you doing, Colton is going to tell you how he's doing. Good, bad, or indifferent. And I love that because that vulnerability is something we're missing. And then the other thing is engaging people. We have to know people. Hmm. And if I know people, I can say, I can say hey, Jason, I know you're planning some really hard things this week, how are you doing in that, right? Like, I, I can know, you know, what's going on in your life enough to, to, to know that I can ask a piercing question, not just a how you doing, but a, hey, how are you doing planning the, 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 those events that you're planning this week that I know are going to be really hard. Engage, really engaging, like Atul said, critical thinking, asking yeah. questions that require some thought. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think the gospel teaches us how to listen. I think that one of the biggest problems, one of the biggest problems in counseling is, is that um, we're not listening because we're waiting for them to finish their sentence so we can tell them what we think out of knowledge. And learning how to listen is a big thing. I think I've learned this over the last few years how important this is. Learning how to listen to gospel because what does the gospel do? It it, it restores to the individual their value. It tells them mm-hmm. what their value is, that you are valuable, that you are not your sin. Sin will tell you you're trash, you don't deserve anything, but you deserve to destroy your body in these self-destructive habits. The gospel tells us, the grace of God tells us that you're valuable. The love of God tells us you're valuable. And when we begin to listen to that, uh, then we can counsel people from that perspective of the gospel. So, learning how to listen to people and listen to what's going on in their life. And so how can we become more authentic, more genuine, and more um, uh, 
more have meaning more meaningful conversations. And I think that this is where big inst- religious institutional lifestyle fails because we are no one's no one, no one's bearing one another's burdens in Gen- mm-hmm. Galatians six. So we're all bearing our own burdens. We come to church, we're presented with a lifestyle that we can't maintain because we don't. For, we can maintain it for maybe a couple of hours, and then we've got to be out the door because we're we're going to break down. But like what Billy's saying, if you just spend time with people, just be present. And if you, like, I think Pastor Brian Lynch calls it inviting people into your personal space. Mm-hmm. When we do that, when we allow people to come into our personal space, um, then you have a conversation with someone, and within I, I guarantee you, within ten to fifteen minutes, you're going to hear some brokenness, mm-hmm. and. And instead of applying knowledge, because the gospel is not knowledge, the gospel is life, it's Jesus Christ, we apply Christ. And, and I think a lot of times, like Pastor Tom Sleva said to us yesterday, which I think he has such an incredible ministry, he said, because 99% of the people that I speak to with grief share do not have a capacity for anything. So I just do a lot of listening. That guy's amazing. This guy is just one of the most amazing people I know. He's, he himself has had great loss and great suffering, and yet um, he's such a treasure trove of, of grace and comfort. And so I think the gospel teaches us how to listen because we don't need to feel like we have to say something. I don't have to say anything because it's already all been said by Christ. Yeah. And we can just abide in the spoken word that's already been spoken. And if you're just spending time with people, you're going to find out how their marriage is doing. And guess what? Like Everybody's marriage needs the gospel. Like, no one's got the perfect marriage. Mm-hmm. No one's got the perfect parenthood going on. Um, we're all broken pieces that need to be picked up and glued together and, re- and transformed every day by the gospel. So, um, and I think what Billy's saying is that the gospel affords us to be transparent. Like, I can say what's going on in my life. I don't think everybody wants to hear about all my projections and sin, but I think we can tell people that, look, I'm, uh, you know, everything's not okay, and I would appreciate a prayer. I'm calling my brother. Pastor Jason every week, prayer <laughs> and counseling. But uh, I love this theme because um, you know the gospel really is a clear picture and communicating the heart of who God is. I think churches can get on crusades; they can get on these rants about what's wrong. And I, I, I do believe we should identify pitfalls. But the gospel is presenting the person and heart of God. And I love what you just said. It's like it's showing somebody that they're valuable and much more valuable. Uh, yes, they're much more sinful. Yes. But on the other side of the cross, that's the first side of the cross. The other side, the resurrection side, is how, how valuable you are. Now, Ed, you've been kind of quiet over there. I don't know if you want to chime in the last few minutes here and uh, just share maybe something just, along these lines. Well, just the, the thought of, of what the gospel can do, and I was thinking kind of on a third, kind of a third leg in... And the gospel is what binds us together. The gospel is what binds us together as a body. And, and then kind of taking that into the, the other realm, if my hand is hurting, the other parts of my body take care of my hand. My hand is not embarrassed because it's hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no embarrassment there if, if Pastor Jason is going through something and, and it's like, I want to help you, my brother, mm-hmm. because you're a part of me. You, you've... You're a part of, in, in some respect, you're a part of my identity. You're a part of my family. You're a part of my body. It's like when one person hurts, we all hurt. So 
being transparent with the body, I think, is not something that that falls into that social category as such, where it's very much, you know, I want to tell you if I'm running into a problem because I want you to help me. And it's not that I, my pride is not in the way because, you know, like I said, if my hand is hurting, it's, there's no pride. My hand is not, no, I'm, I'll be fine. It's help me. It's whatever. Let me, help me heal. So the gospel, I think, is also one of the things that binds us together and, and allows us to be able to be the body of Christ. Mm. Can I jump in there? Make a yeah, point. That was a very excellent yeah. point he's making here is that the gospel um, releases us from self-consciousness. Amen. Meaning like, it's okay for me to be, okay, I'm, I'm injured. Jesus didn't empower people's wounds. He, 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 he acknowledged them, but then he led people out of their wounds mm-hmm. and healed them. And so um, the gospel sets us free from self-consciousness, and then it makes us people-conscious in the sense of, like, what is their need? Because I feel sufficed and, and satisfied in the body. So what is going on in this other person's life? Mm. Excellent, excellent. Billy, last words, last thoughts here? Anything you want to add? You know, I think it's just, it's, Christian said something just a minute ago about somebody else and just how awesome they are, and that's, if, if, if I've seen one thing in, in the prayer call and, and just with what the, all the pastors that are associated with Greater Grace have so much value to one another. Mm-hmm. And for me, coming from a place where all pastors are competi- you know, in competition for, one, for, for people, wow. not for souls, but for bodies, wow. you know, it's so refreshing because it's like there's wow. another side to body life. There's a, or, or there is a th- such thing as body life. And it transcends the brand on your on your church's letterhead. It transcends the denomination. It transcends the the chair that you sit in. <laughs> it goes so much deep. The throne. <laughs> it goes so much deeper into the hearts and the souls of people. And that that I think is what the church should look like: is people valuing people. Wow. Hey. Well, on that note, you have a lot to think about today. Thanks so much, guys, for being here. And uh, really rich, rich thoughts. And we're in such a day to uh, have a walk of faith, be vulnerable, transparent, honest before God, and God will show us how to do that before people. So, hey, thanks again for being with us and have an awesome day. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Your feedback is always welcome. Welcome.